0: Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for the message you hear today that it will inspire you and encourage you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, please check us out at CBC Madera, both on Facebook and Instagram. And you can check out our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church. Thanks for listening. So we're kicking off this new Christmas season with a new series called All I Want for Christmas. All I want for Christmas, and hopefully you don't need your two front teeth. Hopefully you need something else for Christmas. And uh, how many of you know exactly what you want for Christmas? Does anybody know exactly what they want for Christmas? Does anybody have a a Christmas wish list? I know uh, First Service Jackie said she already had hers down packed and is ready to to distribute it amongst us in case we want to know what to get her for Christmas. And so uh, some of you already know that, right? Some of you have already went out and purchased your own Christmas gifts. You said, Merry Christmas to yourself. How many have already done that? I did that. I did that. Yeah, that's right. I did it already with my wife. Went out and got a Nintendo Switch. Maybe you're thinking, you're too old for that. Listen, it's community building, okay? Uh, I get to do that with my my boys. If you're interested, you want to play Nintendo Switch, let me know. You can come over. I can beat you in Mario Kart, right? So these are things that we love, you know. And some of you have already been doing that, and uh, how many of you already have all your Christmas shopping done already? You know what people have wanted? This this five-year-old, how old are you, young man? Seven, I apologize, I said five. This seven-year-old just raised his hand and said he's got all his Christmas shopping done. Congratulations, man, good job, well done, you beat everybody else, that's awesome, good job, that's awesome. But my, my, my question, I wonder, for a lot of us today is maybe, uh, because 2020 has been a crazy year, right, for a lot of us, and maybe there is something that we're needing this Christmas season that can't be given to us, uh, wrapped up in, 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 a, in wrapping paper or delivered to us from Amazon or purchased at Target. Maybe there's something that we need that only God can provide us. Is that, is that true for any of you today? And maybe online, is that true for you? There's something that we need, that only God can provide. And, and, and we have to go to Him and ask for Him to provide these things for us. And, and one thing that, that I want to speak to uh, uh, this morning is when Jesus entered into the world, I want to talk about the gifts that He brought us through this series. I want to talk about the gifts that He's brought us during this season. And the very first one that I think all of us need, and, and the whole world needs, but especially in this season and in this time, is the gift of hope. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, the gift of hope? God, in this season, has brought us a gift of hope. This is the time in the church calendar we talk about is the Advent season. It's the season that we remember that God, uh, Jesus, has stepped into our world to bring us His presence and His life and His hope and His joy. And we remember what God has been doing and is continuing to say in the world. But this season helps us to be reminded of that. Because how many of you know we can get easily distracted throughout the rest of the year, but when Christmas comes, all of a sudden we are reminded, wait a minute, there's a reason for the season. I know rhyming is sometimes cheesy and everyone said put that slogan up there, but there is a reason for the season that we're in, and it's because of Jesus. And I, and I, know, I, I know in my heart that this is the word that God has for you and for our church and for our community, is the word hope, that there is still hope. There has been hope given to us over 2,000 years ago and hope continues to be given through the person of Jesus today. And we need to be a people who grab a hold of that hope because we need it so desperately in this time. I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot of people say this, that they just can't wait till 2020 is over. Have you heard people say that? Oh man, just wait till 2020 is over. Then it's going to be better. Then it's going to be better. As if January 1, all the problems of 2020 stay in 2020. I I don't think that happens. So so our hope can't be in a new year. Our hope has to be in new revelation of who Jesus is and what he's done and what he's continuing to do. Because I remember in 2019, everyone said, ooh, 2020 is going to be the hopping year. You remember? You guys can remember a year ago? Ooh, 2020, fresh vision. Every pastor was saying it. I don't know if I said it or not. I probably did. 2020, fresh vision, fresh things. Oh, it's going to be great. Two months in, we're like, wait a minute. What's this? March, we're like, hold on, what do we got to do? And everybody is bombarded with all this stuff, this virus, this pandemic. On top of that, financial issues, we've got murder hornets coming in, trying to kill our bees. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Come on. Murder hornet. I don't think so. Die in the state of Washington, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So there is stuff that... That is is bombarding us in all of this turmoil and we got election issues and we're like, what next is going to happen? And 2021 doesn't have the solutions we need. Today has the solution and it's found in Jesus. And it's given to us through the person of Jesus, this hope that we all desperately need. What I love about God is that he's always pushing us towards hope and he's always pushing hope towards us. There is this, this combination where the Spirit of God draws us and also comes to us at the same time. It's like I remember the, the, the prodigal son story when the, the prodigal son who had run away from, from his father and wished he was dead and asked for his inheritance, you know this story? All of a sudden the the son comes to his, his consciousness like, what am I doing with my life? And decides to run back to the father. But as the father was looking for him, the father began to run to him as the son was being drawn back to the father's presence. And I see that God is doing that today in us. That maybe some of us are saying, what is going on in this world? What is happening in this life? I don't understand why all of these things are happening. I need to run to Jesus. And at the same time, Jesus is running to you. At the very same time, Jesus is looking for you. The Father is looking. The Spirit of God is looking and saying, As you come to me, I go to you. So my, the hope that I have, you're drawn to it. And my hope also is running to you. And I can sense the Spirit of God working. And that's why I believe what my dad was saying today, that God is wanting to do something fresh and new in our lives. And that part of that is what he wants to do, is for us to really understand the hope that we have in Jesus. I mean truthfully grab a hold of this hope. Not something that we just talk about and we have, uh, we have little banners in our home and, and you know, we put up during Christmas season and we take down and we forget about. No, something that is established in us that no matter what happens in this world and in this life and the chaos around us, there, there is still hope of a better tomorrow than we have today. And as followers of Jesus, this should be the description of who we are. But also we have to understand that we not only are called to be in hope, but we are called to give hope to a world that is hopeless and undone without Christ. And reading out of Jeremiah this morning, we're going to start our first first reading of the morning. That that Jeremiah sees God throughout the entire Old Testament, and especially in his time as, as a hope pusher. As the people of Israel have been carried away into captivity because of their disobedience to God and because of their sin. And God had warned them generation after generation through prophets saying, if you don't listen, if you don't heed my call, you're going to be carried away. And so they get carried away. And in Jeremiah, he begins to write about, even though in the midst of their chaos and and pain and loss... That there is hope. And this is not the first time I talked about the prophet Jeremiah. I spoke about him a couple of weeks ago uh, as I presented uh, the book of Lamentations or the book of Lament or the book of Mourning. And it's a book that is not very cheerful. It's a book that's pretty depressing and sorrowful because it's poetry of the people of Israel mourning their decisions and the pain that they're going through. And Jeremiah says there's hope in that book. Remember if you, if you were there for that. But also in the book of Jeremiah it bears his name. He writes about what God spoke to him. Even though the people were uh, in, in a time where they were losing everything. Their homes were destroyed. Their villages and towns were destroyed. Some of their family members were carried away and they were left there. And Jeremiah is remaining there with those who have not been carried away into captivity. Mourning the losses of everything. And he begins to write this. Jeremiah 33. Starting in verse 14. says, Behold, this is God speaking to to Jeremiah, a a word to give to the people. And he says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And in those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for for David. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in our land. How many of you know we need justice and righteousness in our land? Verse 16 says, And in those days Judah will be saved and Jerusalem would dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, The Lord is our righteousness, or the Lord has made, right, made things right for us. And for the nation of Israel and Judah in that time, they had been removed from their homes and their families. Everything they had they had, had been taken away and all had uh, seemed lost for them. They had lost all hope. And yet God says, I'm bringing someone to rescue you. And as I read this passage of Scripture and understand the history of what was happening at that time when Jeremiah began to write this stuff, I can't help but but see a glimpse of it today in this moment that we're in. Where people have have lost businesses, and lost income, and are struggling, and, and because of isolation, and because of tension, they're, they're wrestling, and marriages, and re- other relationships are, are on the brink of, uh, uh, of struggle, and, and I've even watched some videos of business owners saying, we, we can't stay open, we're losing everything, everything that we've invested in our whole life savings into this business, we've been shut down, we can't do it anymore, and everything it seems like is being stripped away through the pandemic that we're walking through, and I see the parallel between these two stories, and I wonder, are we still grabbing a hold of the hope that God spoke to the people over 2,000 years ago, 2,600 years ago, when He spoke to the prophet Jeremiah, and His promise that He gave about a branch of righteousness being sprung up, people who have lost everything, and yet now God speaks, and He says this, Wait, there are days coming when the righteous one will come. He'll come on the scene and he'll set everything right again. He'll execute his justice. He'll execute his righteousness. He'll save you. He'll protect you. His righteousness will become your righteousness. In fact, the Bible says you will be known by his righteousness in your life. And who is, the question is, who is the righteous branch that Jeremiah is speaking of? we know because hindsight is 2020 we know that he's speaking about jesus he's speaking about the one to come who would set everything right again and what's crazy about that is jeremiah wrote about jesus 600 years before jesus ever showed up on the scene 600 years god gave a people a hope that that yet they would not be able to see in their lifetime What's crazy to me is they held on to hope of a, of a better tomorrow, and even though they didn't experience it in the now, they knew that there was hope still coming. Why? Because they knew their God is a God who fulfills his promises. He is not a man that he should lie. He speaks the truth, and they held on to it, even though they didn't experience it in that moment. How many of us, we're, we're such in a microwave culture, we want it now. We, want, we, put in our, we put in our hot pocket, we want that thing popping hot when it comes out. We want it now. But how many of us can hold on to hope even if we don't experience it today? Even if we don't experience uh, freedom from the struggle today? How many of you can you say, I still believe in the God who fulfills his promises. I'm going to hang on to him. What's, what's crazy about, about them is that they didn't experience it, but, but we do know who Jesus is. We're on the other side of the cross. We're on the other side of the sacrifice. Which means that his hope is tangible and present today. And we can experience it today in this moment. Some 500 years after the people had read the words of Jeremiah, they never saw that promise come to pass. But we have. Reminds me of Proverbs 13, verse 12. It says this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. They must have been heart sick, not seeing the redemption of their nation, but but we're the lucky ones. We're the ones who history envies because we're on the other side of that. And they look to us and say, Wow, we wish we could have known the hope that you now have. And yet, for some of us, we even struggle to grab a hold of the hope we know we have. And so, there's something beautiful that Jesus did in the coming of Christ. Our desires for new life, our desires for freedom, our desires for change can be fulfilled and become a tree of life for us. It's, no, it's not ironic, it's, not, it's no coincidence that, that Jesus to come and give us life, died on a tree on the cross for us so that we could have new life in us. And This is what he's saying. The desire for freedom is found in the tree that bears life in you. That tree is the cross that Jesus hung on for you and me. And so we are reminded of what Jesus did for us and the justice that he had given us because he took our punishment on the cross so that we could walk in new life and walk in freedom. This hope of a Savior has been deferred for hundreds of years, but now has been fulfilled in the coming of Jesus so that our desires for new life can be fulfilled in Him. Amen? Amen. If you're taking notes, if you have a U-Version Bible app, a smartphone, you can follow along. Here, if you're making paper notes or writing down notes in your phone, you can write here. The first hope that we have is recognizing that Jesus came to give hope. He came to give hope. Sometimes we forget about when we're going through life struggle and we, and we become anxious about what's going on in life, we forget that Jesus came to give hope. And it's here for us right now. Those days to come that Jeremiah wrote about is here now, and we have the righteous one today, the Savior of the world, Jesus. And we don't have to live lives as those who have no hope. 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul talks about there are people who live as if they have no hope. There are believers who live as if they have no hope. And he says, you don't have to live like you have no hope. You have hope in Jesus. You don't have to live like there's no better tomorrow coming. And the, and the enemy would love to get you distracted so much that you can't see tomorrow as a better day than today. Because that's what hope is. Jürgen Moltmann, he's a theologian. He defines hope this way, the anticipation of future joy. And if you, can look, if you can't look to the future and say, there's a joyous day coming, then you're going to struggle having hope today. But if you can look to the future and say, there's a better tomorrow than the struggle I'm in today, then you can have hope. But if you're wrestling with anxiety and worry and, and all of these things bombarding your mind, you know, what, you know what that's called? It's called the anticipation of terror. Jurgen Maltman says this, and anxiety now is the anticipation of terror tomorrow. Because you don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. You think it's going to be bad. You think it's going to be overwhelming. It's going to be consuming. You're going to fail. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to have all these struggles. And he says, if that's your anticipation of the future, you're going to wrestle with anxiety today. So there is something that we have to say, no, no matter what circumstance I'm in, no matter what struggle I'm in today, there is joy on the other side of it. Because I have joy, I can have hope. Amen? That's not to discourage anybody who's wrestling with anxiety or wrestling with all these other things. Those are real things. But Jesus can be the solution to those things. And Jesus can help you through those things. And the community of believers can help you. That's why we're here together, to help each other and to be reminded of the joy that we have in the future of knowing Jesus. The joy that can come in and interrupt our today to bring us hope. So Jesus came to give us hope. And in a world of mess and confusion, sometimes we can lose sight of that hope. But Jesus knew this. Jesus knew these days were coming, these days that would be a struggle for us, these days that would overwhelm us, that would cause fear to to make the world and the nations tremble. He even told us in Luke chapter 21, starting in verse 25, he says this, There will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, Verse 26, people fainting with fear and with foreboding for what is coming on the world. This sounds similar to what's happening now. People are trembling in fear, afraid, anxious, worried what's going on in the world. For the powers of heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now he says this, now when these things begin to take place perhaps we're at the beginning of the shaking as these things begin to take place he says straighten up raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near he says as these things begin to take place don't grow fearful grow hopeful because your redemption is coming near your redemption is as the as the, they used to say your redemption is drawing nigh i was like oh come on get nigh get nigh come nigh I love that because Jesus not only came us to give us hope for today in the situation we're in, he gives us a future hope of his return for his church. He says, one day I'll come back for you. You might be in the struggle and in the mess of it and you're struggling to survive and you don't know what all this is happening, but don't worry, I'll come back for you again. I didn't abandon you. I haven't left you. I'm here with you, but I'll also return physically for you one day. And we have hope for that great day to come. The great day of saying, Jesus, even in the struggle of all of this, you have a promise for your return to draw me back to you. And he is is already drawing our hearts, but he'll also draw us up into the sky with him one day. This is a hope that he brings to us. He's not forgotten us. He He says, don't fix your eyes on the junk around you. Lift your heads up. Straighten up and look towards me. Because your redemption is drawing near. He is returning. If you're taking notes, that's number two. Jesus is coming again. We have this hope of his return. We love it. In this season of remembering Christ's birth, we remember the hope his entrance gives us and we're called to give it to others. We're called to give it to others. See, there should be something planted inside of us that calls us to produce hope. But what are we allowing to be planted in our hearts and our minds? Are we allowing anxiety and worry to be planted in our hearts? Then we produce the fruit of those things. But if we can plant in us the hope of Christ and the glory of His return and the the joy of knowing Him, then we'll produce those things in us. Jay writes online thanks brother for from home or from the hospital with your new baby writing what are what's being planted in us it's a great question to ask what are we planting in our hearts and in our lives those things will grow in us and we, we allow those things to be planted in us we want those things to produce in us amen? amen you are a people who are called to bear hope to people you're called to share it with others not just be consumers of hope but but, but be pushers of hope Givers of hope, just like God has given us hope, he then says, now go and give it to others. See, you're special. You you have a calling on your life. And the enemy, the reason he attacks you so much is because he wants to rob you of hope. Because if he can rob you of your hope, then maybe he can stop you from sharing the hope that you're called to share. But there's something powerful in this word and in this season. We remember that Jesus came to give us hope not just for ourselves, but so that we could share it with others. Amen. You're called to do it. You, you have a calling. You have a purpose. God has not forgotten you. God has not left you in the struggle. He's there with you, giving you hope every day. And He wants us not to forget, but take hold of it. He can do it in us. Do you know that hope is contagious? It's contagious. You're you thought coronavirus was contagious. Try hope. It's more contagious. Hope can be shared. Hope can be given. There was a study recently that came out that said that there's this term called holiday blues. You've heard of it. That during this season where we're supposed to be filled with joy and, and cheer that a lot of us may not be able to feel that way and what, what, uh, what is pointed out uh, for a lot of us is the lack of relationship or the the lack of right relationship during the holidays when when we should be gathering with family, but we we have we have issues with family members or we have issues going on and marriage and people are pushed away, and those things can cause depression and isolation and issues in us and those things can cause cause traumatic things in us, but the study said that During the holiday blues, November and December, when depression and isolation increase, actually suicide rates decrease. And the reason for that is because people are more willing to share hope with people during the season. People are more willing to be cheerful with others and engage with others and encourage others. But the problem is, we're seeing, is because of coronavirus, we're not so willing to do that these days. But can I tell you? doesn't matter what kind of pandemic is happening in this world. Jesus has still called us to carry hope to the hopeless. He has still called us to share joy and cheer with others. I'm concerned with the the suicide rates that are increasing because of isolation and because people are being pushed away, even in children. It has to stop. It stops by the church rising up and bringing hope to the hopeless and speaking truth and speaking love. Even for our children to know, as they're in classes over Zoom, to speak joy, speak hope to people who may not have it and their classmates on the other side of the screen. There has to be something done in this season, and it's done not through government, but through the church. We don't look for them for, for our source of hope. We look to Jesus as our source of hope. And we're the ones who bear hope on our shoulders and in our hearts. It's called, we're called to do something about it. We're called to allow our hope to be contagious. I want to share hope. Do you want to share hope? Yes. That's number three. Jesus' hope lives in us. Jesus came to give us hope. He reminds us of a future hope to come. And His hope lives in us to share with others. I believe it's our calling this Christmas season to share the hope of Jesus with others. This hope that was born into the world and given to us. Hope that gives people something to look forward to. Hope that causes people to look beyond their struggle for a better tomorrow. Hope is a road sign letting us know we're getting closer. Some of you don't know this. Maybe you can't tell by looking at me, but I used to run a lot. And one time in my life, I ran a half marathon that's 13.1 miles. Then I said after that, never again. But I, I did run it. I ran the two cities, half marathon. I felt so accomplished, right? But we're running, and as we run, every mile has a mile marker. Every mile has a mile marker, and it's encouraging. You're like, oof, mile eight. All right, my legs feel like jello, but I can do it. Mile, mile nine. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Getting close. It's only There's only 13.1. I'm at mile 10. I feel good. I get to mile 10, and I feel like I'm running and running and running, and I never see mile marker 11. Never. I'm like, I'm not going to, this is the longest mile of my life. I keep running. I'm like, I'm going to have to walk. I'm literally like this, running. This is my full speed. I'm at, I'm at full capacity, you know. I don't see the mile marker. What happens? I begin to lose hope. I don't think I'm going to finish this. How is mile 11 so much longer than all the other miles? Until I look up and see mile marker 12. Someone had taken mile marker 11. Dirty dogs. I f- the reason why it felt longer, because it was longer. And in that moment, I was reminded what hope is for us. Hope is a mile marker that says, don't give up. Keep going. You're getting closer. Keep going. Christ is getting closer. Keep going. There's a better tomorrow for you. Don't stop running. Keep going. But what the enemy would love for for us to do and would love to do in your life is to remove the mile markers from you and think, I can't get through this. This is the longest season of my life. This is the the longest and hardest mile of my life. Can I tell you, perhaps the mile marker has been moved, but the hope has not been removed from your life as long as you hang on to Jesus. The enemy would love for you to lose hope because hopefully then you would stop fighting. Maybe you would stop struggling and just give in. Maybe you would stop sharing the good news of Jesus if he can rob you of your hope. But don't give up hope. Come on, Anna. Never. Never give up hope. We will not give up hope because we know the one who brought us hope. His name is Jesus. Amen. There are people, even in that race, I remember as I was running and turning the corner, there were people with signs cheering me on, strangers. I didn't know them. And they're like, You can do it. I'm like, You don't even know me. You don't know if I can do this. <laughs> You can do it. Keep going. You're getting closer. And it reminds me of the crowd, the cloud of witnesses in Hebrews who is chanting for us right now. You can do it. Don't give up. You can do it. You can fulfill your calling. You can, you can share the good news of Jesus with somebody, Matthew. Don't give up. Keep running. Keep pursuing. I can hear them even now from heaven saying, keep going. You got this. Hang on to Jesus. You're going to make it. They encouraged me in the run, and I feel like heaven is encouraging us to hang on, take hope. There is a better tomorrow for us. God is so good. Jesus, born of a virgin, he lived a sinless life, life, and this hope that he carries uh, for us and in us is the hope that we can give to others. You'll never know. you never know the hope that you share with somebody could be the very thing they need to keep going another day. Uh, you, you never know the, the, the story that you tell somebody could be the very thing they need to hear to hang on a little longer. Don't allow the enemy to silence you. Don't allow, don't allow situations and circumstances and struggle stop you and rob you from the joy and the hope that you have uh, to, for your own life and for your own strength, but also for others. He has given you his hope, not only to set you free, but to share it with others. This is what he's called us to do. As the worship team comes forward, I want to close out our time. Wherever you find yourself this morning in this Christmas season, whether you're here in this building or you're watching online, you have a chance to be in, encouraged by his hope today. And the first thing I want to point out to to those who might be struggling, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then you can't take a hold of the hope that I'm talking about. The uh, The very first hope that you can grab a hold of right now is the hope of knowing Jesus. To say that there is a God who loves you. There is a God who desires to know you and desires for you to know Him. This God that we're speaking of Gave his life for you so that you could know the hope of salvation. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, even online, if that's you, if you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, said, I need to know this Jesus that you're talking about. I need hope. I'm looking for truth. Can I tell you? Truth is in Jesus. The truth of hope is found in Jesus. The purest joy and the purest hope that you could ever find is in Jesus. And so we look to Him today with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want this Jesus. Even online, you can put up a hand emoji or respond, I want Jesus. And we'll pray together. I'll pray with you. If that's you, on the count of three. One, two, three, right now. Would you raise your hand? Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to Jesus. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. And this is your opportunity right now to believe and also to confess by raising your hand. If that's you online, you can go ahead and lift up. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today to give you my life, to put my hope in you, to put my trust in you. Come and wash me. Come and forgive me. Come and make me new. I surrender to you today. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends. it helps help us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting the ministry of Central Valley Church, go to CVC.